Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show with your featured host, Shaw McCain, a forensics counselor, psychic, writer, artist, modern day Christian mystic, and UFO experiencer. Shaw introduced guests who are experts on all aspects of the paranormal and the sacred. The Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show has been featured on Blog Talk Radio as Staff Pick. And now for your host, Shaw McCain. Hi, everybody. This is Shaw McCain talking to you live from Los Angeles, California. I have Nancy Tremaine on the line, and I'd like you guys to know that this is our 450th show. And our show, The Paranormal and Sacred, has been listed at the top 10 must-listen-to podcast on the planet. Believe it or not, this is it. So anyway, so uh, Natri Tremaine came interesting to me because uh, she's a UFO experiencer and has gone through uh, many things in her life that are such interest to me. And uh, several things kind of we crossed paths a couple of times and uh, since we were little, and, and I don't think she realizes it, but when she gets on the show, then we'll be able to talk about it. And uh, she has many interesting things to say about realities and illusions and the life we're living in. And uh, every detail of her book is so fascinating and interesting. And I would like to welcome Nancy Tremaine, author and alien contactee to our show. Welcome, Nancy. Well, thank you, Shara. I really appreciate this. Well, it's lovely to have you on because uh, not only are you uh, getting your story out there, you have a couple books out that are so intense and interesting that uh, I recommend everybody to uh, read your books. And it's some concepts we haven't heard of before. And why don't you tell people uh, the titles of your books and where to find them and everything before we start? Okay. Well, I have two books. Symbiosis was my first book, and that was published by Sir Grant Cameron. And then Preordained is my second book. Uh, And I'd like to shout out to Philip Mantle for publishing that one. And they're available on Amazon and and Kindle. Well, uh, I've been reading your book, Symbiosis, and... It's fascinating because the part that we ran into each other, we were both at the 1964 World's Fair. I was there, too. Oh, oh my God. And the New York World's Fair. So we were both there. And I was thinking, yeah. I cannot believe that because, for me, that was a big standout in my life being there. All the futuristic stuff, oh. the Billy Graham Pavilion, and I'll never forget it. I won't either. Yes, that was something else. I I, I think I was what thirteen. Yeah, uh, me too. I was. Well, I was. Bo- I was born in fifty two. What, what okay, year so were you born? Three years so yeah. So I was enthralled, and I cannot believe that you know, we were both there, and that it stood out in your book because it, it's it's been with me my whole life <laughs> that one experience, not to mention all the others. <laughs> yeah. So what was so what is your main focus this evening to talk about? Because I'm also well, a fellow abductee and I understand where you're coming from, but you went through 
uh, hypnosis and regressions and really got deep into the meaning behind all of our experiences. Yes, I. it was a secret that my girlfriend and I kept for 50 years, not just my girlfriend and I, but the police chief of Novi, Michigan, along with uh, several other people. It just simply wasn't spoken of. We were 12 years old. Um, I should probably talk about how it all began for me uh, and my girlfriend, Cindy. We were, we were 12. It was the summer of 1961. Actually, it was two months before the Betty and Barney Hill incident. And um, yes. I was never allowed out past 7.30 or dusk. Uh, very strict father. So I was at my girlfriend's house. We were playing. And uh, her dad called for us to come outside. And when we walked out that door, that's when our lives were changed. There was a giant silver ship hovering above the tree between our two homes. And we grew up in Novi, which was just a uh, country. Homes were being built. It was all dirt roads, farm. So, and the ship was totally silent. It was absolutely beautiful. It was a clear blue sky. It was uh, it was gorgeous. And it had a, a, a wide belt or band of uh, flashing, rotating lights of red, green, and white. And we didn't say a word. Um, nobody did this. You could see neighbors starting to come out of their homes, and uh, a police car came down and parked right in front of where we had gathered, uh, and the two police officers never turned their back to the ship. They walked up the incline to, to join us, and I wasn't, I couldn't believe what I was seeing, so I grabbed the one police officer, and I said, and it came out in slow motion. Uh, I guess whenever you're traumatized, things seem to go in slow motion. And I said, is this real? Because I had to know that <laughs> everyone was seeing what I was seeing. And he never said a word. And uh, a car started coming down the road, Meadowbrook Road, which is the road that my home was on. And a beam of light came out of the ship at this point, and it was directed at the hood of the car very slowly. But we were all wondering, I know I was, we were all wondering what was going to happen when that beam of light hit that, hit that uh, hood of the car, and it immobilized the car. And that's when I um, went into, I guess it was some kind of a mild hysteria. I started jumping up and down and yelling, over here, over here, trying to get its attention. And the ship actually tilted on its side, and it spoke to me, and it said, we see you. And I realized that the ship was alive. Even at 12 years old, I, I realized it was alive. And um, I grabbed the police officer, and I said, do something. I don't know what I expected him to do, but it was at that point that I, everything was forgotten up to that point. That's all I remembered. I, next thing I knew, I was at home with my father, who was comforting me and telling me that I was home and I was safe. Um, and he silenced me that night, and I didn't understand it. So 50 years went by. Cindy and I never spoke about it. We lived screwed-up lives. Um, she tried to commit suicide several times. I was... Um, 
therapist after therapist, drug after drug, um, diagnosis after diagnosis. And I, I would tell the therapist, there's something inside of me that has to come out. I knew there was. And I would ask them to hypnotize me. And uh, they didn't believe in hypnosis or insurance didn't cover it. So that never happened. And uh, the oddest thing, 50 years have gone by, It was uh, I was playing on the computer and the word ufology popped up. And I had never heard of it, seen it, knew nothing about it. And I said, ufology? You mean there are people that actually study this? So I, I sent um, an email to this man, uh, Dr. Harry Wellness, who was a former MUFON state director. And I said, I might have uh, a story you'd be interested in hearing. Well, he got back to me immediately. And we met within a couple of days. And he... Um, he asked me lots of questions, like, what did I think had happened? Because I knew that I got home, it was 10 minutes to 9, and my dad wasn't spanking me. You know, so where did the time go? And he mentioned the word missing time. I've never heard that before. So I had to have been missing, and the police chief would later validate this, that I had to have been missing for an hour and a half to, to two hours because I got home at 10 minutes to 9 and it was getting dark out. And um, he, Dr. Wellness realized that I needed, um, I needed help. So he found a regression therapist. And within that first month of September, I woke up September 1st, awakening, and I was having my first regression. And at the very end of that first regression, I sat up and I said, it's real. It's really, really real. Because mm-hmm. I had I had kept chanting, my body is waving and rumbling to the low hum of the ship. I was actually going up into the ship, and I could feel my body waving and rumbling. And I wasn't afraid as I was going up. And I've since talked to a um, quantum physicist who said, you weren't in a standing wave. You were a standing wave. So that they had altered my molecular structure, and this is how they are able to, it's so over my head, this is how they are able to, or, or how they took me up in 1961 anyway. Well, how they transport you through walls and through anything, and they get you up into the ship. Now that would make sense. Okay, yes. So the regression therapist and Dr. Wilness, they both encouraged me to go after everyone to um, to get all, because I needed answers. I wanted all the answers and I wanted them now. So I became Nancy Drew and I went through the uh, Novi News archives uh, every day. I was at that library going through those archives. I went after classmates from elementary, junior, and high school. And... Um, I went after Cindy, the other little girl, and it was the perfect time. Uh, I had taken three illustrations that I had drawn with me, and um, she said it's exactly as I remember it. And then she said, you were gone. We couldn't find you. And when she said those words, (laughs) 
I I had no idea. I said I was gone. And she said, yes, yes, you were gone. It just gives me the chills. I'm so shocked, really, that you were gone. Yeah. Well, she said, I think my dad called your dad or went down to your dad. Now, Cindy at this time hadn't even realized that she was on board. She, she remembered me being gone, but she, see, we got bits and pieces as, as the years went along. From 2011 until she died in 2015, she literally drank Aww. herself to death we pieced together everything that had happened through articles, through other people, through um, my regressions. Cindy only had one regression. It was just shortly before she died. But I recorded all of our, not all, but most all of our conversations over the years. And you can hear us coming to terms with what we remembered and um, sharing our memories. And we would finish each other's sentences. And, um, she said something that really, oh, when, when she said you were missing, I, I said to her, what was the first thing I said to you <laughs> when you saw me after I'd been missing? Where did I tell you I'd been? And she just looked at me like I was crazy, and she said, in outer space. <laughs> wow. So, um, she, she mentioned a military investigation. And Cindy still hadn't come to terms with the fact that she'd been on board ship. This took a few months, I think. Um, you know, I keep a log every day because if I didn't keep it, I, it's the only way I would be able to um, have this information and remember these things. But she mentioned that there had been a military investigation, and I didn't even know what a military investigation was, and I didn't want to go there. Um so I avoided that. And she mentioned it a couple times. So after she died um, in August of 2015, it, it just, I, I had a breakdown. It just tore me apart. Um, I was walking in the park behind my apartment, and I was, I was just heartbroken. I was swearing at her. I said, damn you, this was our story. You were supposed to help me. And... Um, she again, she's, I got a message from her. She said, those men, they came to your house. They wanted to talk to you. Your father threatened to kill them. Well, that's wow. where I ended. Yes, I knew I had to go down a new rabbit hole, and I knew I couldn't avoid that military investigation anymore. Um, and uh, that's where I ended symbiosis because I needed, I needed to get my, my head together and go after the chief. You know, it was almost, that 50 years was almost like we had been programmed to forget or not talk about it. So I went after the police chief. Um, I, I gave him a letter, actually. Now, um, you wrote him a letter. Of chief Begall. Begall. I think that's how you pronounce it. Chief Begall. Yep. You wrote him a letter. I wrote him a letter. And it took him two weeks to get back to me. And let me tell you, I, those two weeks were a long two weeks. And when I answered the phone, he said, this is Chief Begall. He said, you're not crazy, because I had written in my letter that I thought I was crazy. And um, I, I'm sure that a lot of other people in Nova I thought they were crazy, because there was no police report made, and it was kind of swept under the rug. And he said, you're not crazy. It really happened. 
And he said, and the car that was immobilized was one of my own officers, Martin Cohn, driving an unmarked car. So that put three police officers on the scene, the two that were standing with us, and one, Dick Faulkner, who's now FBI. I've tried to talk to him. Ironically, one of Cindy's uh, husbands was his younger brother. Between Cindy and I, we were in a small world. between Cindy and I, we were married seven times. Like I said, that 50 years was a, was a rough 50 years for us. It, it was keeping the secret. It, it wasn't what had happened to us. It was in the keeping of the secret that, that this is why my mission is to help other people come forward because you can't keep secrets like this. It'll drive you crazy. And yes. I've been healing ever since. Yes. And I pursued uh, Chief Begal relentlessly, and he had become like a father to me. He never had children, so I was like a daughter to him. And I recorded, and he allowed me to record our phone calls. And our phone calls went from 2011 to 2017. And um, he told me that they came in from Arizona or New Mexico, they came in prepared to disbelieve because things like that don't happen. And he said they wanted to talk to everybody. And he said, this really got me. He said, they knew how to talk. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, they knew the right questions to ask me to get the answers. Yeah. <laughs> so That's that important to ask the right question. Yeah. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. And... uh I told him that I had tried to talk to Dick Faulkner, who refused to talk to me. And I said, why do you think that is? I said, you know, he went on to become FBI. And the chief said, yes, I know that. And he said, I imagine he did that because he didn't want to start a panic. So the chief and I did a, a an interview on September 6th of 2017 with the Detroit Historical Society. And we talked about this um, uh, investigation. We talked about that evening. He, uh, in, in our conversations, he even acknowledged that I was missing. Well, I have all of these on recordings, which are really important. I mean, um, I had a tape recorder. After he called me that first time, I went and got a tape recorder because I didn't want to ever miss any more information that he, he, he gave me. So over those years, I got a lot of information, and we had a lot of conversations. He died March of this year. He was 99. Oh, wow. And I went to his funeral March 8th. Yes. And it was another breakdown. I'd lost Cindy, and I broke down after that. And then when the chief died, that that funeral, which was March 8th, and if you recall, March 9th is when America yes. changed. I mean, and so that oh, yeah. and it was a military, mm-hmm, and it was a military funeral. It was absolutely beautiful. And I couldn't stop going up to the casket. I, I went up four times. I, I, I kept saying to him, I can't leave you. I just can't leave you. Well, this is, that, just, Reese, this is just so strange because a friend of mine and I were on the phone 
Now, his name is mm-hmm. Curtis, and he's very enlightened, and he's had uh, many experiences too. And we were talking, and for some reason during the conversation, I just got up and drove my car to the gas station. He said, why are you doing this? I said, I don't know. I feel like I have to top off my tank. And he said, is something going to happen? I said, I think it's happening right now, and the gas station electronics shut down. And I said, oh he, said this, he said, is this how it's going to happen? I said, yeah, it's happening now, Curtis. And by, I knew I had to get to a friend's house to do her hair real quick because I wouldn't have another opportunity. And then it all came crashing down. Wow. Yes. Yep. We yep. Knew, I, didn't, I knew it was local. I had no idea it would be worldwide because I was ready. Yeah. I got ready that, that week real fast. So it was also intense for you. This is very important that March was a turning point for the entire planet. Yes, Think it about was. It. And mm-hmm, it, it truly was. Uh, and in Preordained, my second book on page 54, I wrote, and that was written in October of 2016, I wrote what America was going to be like. And it's... I'm going to read you um, part of what I wrote on page 54. Please do. And, and remember, this was written four years ago. I said, I foresee America. I, I feel impending doom. Mother Earth's soil is absorbing all of this negative energy. And I describe it as a boiling stew about to boil over. I said, I could feel the civil unrest beneath my feet. I could smell the anger, the frustration, and the fear. I said... I could foresee a civil war. And I was shown an image of Putin gazing down with smug superiority and pleasure. As Americans are in a state of heightened panic and vulnerable. And I could see the people running. I mean, when they do this to me, they they put like little videos or images in my head. And um, Putin's image was so large. It was a profile of him looking down. And we were so small. And then I I said, the rest of the world is watching. The curtain has been pulled back and we are exposed like mice. The cat is ready to pounce. There is such a divide in the masses. God help us. Four years ago, I wrote that. Divide is is the word here. It's so divided that it's unbelievable. I never thought Americans would be like this. We have always fought. Yeah. We fight each other all the time. We disagree over politics all the time. This is the first time we actually do not see each other's point of view at all. It's a total divide. Yes. It's like a lot of, a lot of wars. It's the war of the masks. It's a war of, um, against blacks with the police. It's, a, it's the war of the, the COVID. It's, it's just it's crazy. It's uh, we knew it was coming. I didn't know it would be like this. I I knew it was going to be bad. I knew it was going to be all of this because what I saw, what they yeah. showed me, was a couple things. They did show me a lot of fire, and I was upset Get at there. the time. And I remember turning my head away, you know, and saying, yeah. "I don't know if I'm ready for this. Like, don't I don't want to look at it." They wanted yeah, me to. Yeah, we look. have to. I know. Yeah, yeah. Wow. There was, yeah, okay, there's something boy. that's intense. So, um, I was actually so reading they, your. Go ahead. 
No, no. Please, you go ahead. Okay, what I was reading, because I didn't read that other book yet, but I was reading in Symbiosis that there is like a wall that prevents us, that they put up intentionally. So it prevents us from putting these pieces Mm -hmm. together. So your urge was actually to get all this information down and to get the information no matter what, which is so important. Mm -hmm. Yes, and and that was... um what you're reading about, they had told me, we have put up those walls for so long. You've, you've had these walls. We're taking them down. And um, you're going to be able to love without fear of being hurt any any longer. So it was beautiful, the, the information. Wow. And some, some kind of an internal transformation took place. Um, and I tapped into source. And I started receiving all of these images that I was I was made to draw. And have you seen my childlike drawings? In my I was book? looking at them. Yeah, I love them. I I wanted to keep them because nobody could have, you know, those were drawn by the twelve-year-old Nancy that still resides inside of me, and always will. And um, I have become um, like an antenna, welcoming. I'm actually welcoming this increased contact. So they give me these. Um, uh, visions and downloads and messages and then to draw them and uh, they, they told me that, that they're doing an alteration of DNA removing um, the emotions of rage and they're upgrading they're constantly upgrading and the loss of empathy is the is the number one thing for them because without empathy humanity cannot survive and um I've, I've done some research on um, empathy, and uh, the University of Michigan did a, a study on empathy here uh, in just 2016, and it was one of its, uh, it's the first of its kind study, 104,000 people from 63 countries notes how much Americans have changed. We rate number seven on the empathy. Uh, Ecuador, Saudi Arabia, Peru, Denmark, and even Korea has more empathy than we have. And uh, students of today have lost 40% with Dr. Sarah Conrath's study uh, that was done on empathy. She found a decrease of 40% in students of today. And this is alarming because we can't continue on this path. Um, that this is why. Uh, well, we so don't thrive. Babies will not thrive without love and empathy. Absolutely, yes. They die. They die without They die. It. They shrink. They literally physically shrink and they, and they die, the poor little baby things. Because yeah. that was my one of my first jobs is, uh, well, I was working all the time, but I wanted to go give back to the community. And I ended up working with drug-exposed babies and their mothers over at the harbor. General Hospital, and the and the babies that were born drug addicted and their mothers weren't loving on them, uh, they were failures to thrive. They shrink. They actually lose weight and and get smaller instead of growing bigger. That's why what you just said is so important. Yes, and they can't be helped past a certain point. I don't. You probably know, but there's a certain length of time that they can go without that love and attention. 
And then they can never, ever feel empathy if they go beyond that point. Well, they refuse it. Uh, it's even up to, let's say you have a, a baby that's, uh, let's say, nine months, and they have not mm-hmm. been shown that empathy and love. They will. They self-soothe. They no longer look for others to help them or cuddle them. They cuddle themselves to go to sleep. It's a sad thing to watch. I've seen How them cover they the little. Life? They humans do the best they can. They what they do is they rock. They actually rub their little hands against their eyes, like the back of their hand, till they fall asleep. They do all these different little things to comfort themselves because they don't let you hold them. Oh, it, wow. So that's what, that's what happens. So it, it, that's why when you see these films of orphanages in Russia or wherever, and the little kid is there standing and rocking, that's why they do that. It's self-soothing because oh. no, nobody's yeah. rocking them. Nobody's helping them. So they have to do that just to calm their little nerves. That had to be so hard for you to do that. It killed me. It almost killed me. So oh. I moved on to uh, domestic violence and drug-exposed women. And then that last 15 years, I just just on the verge of retiring from the feds working with prisoners. And they're uh, in, in, uh, prisoners in custody and probation and pretrial. That's a whole other thing. So that's 15 years. Wow. I've been in the trenches, I've been in the trenches, but uh, what's 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 what what you you have to do is you have to love people, and mm-hmm. you have to love them when they're the worst vicious beast on the planet. You have to actually show some kind of openness and force of love, because nobody can stand stand it. You know, actually, by the time they see me, they they're in shock. Some of them actually express it. They sat there in my chair, go into my office, look around, look at me, and they go to me, are you real? Are you real, lady? Uh-huh. Are you really here? And I go, I'm here. They're not expecting me. Uh-huh. And it really worked uh-huh. well with working with the criminal mind because they, they don't, well, it turns out I have a little knack, you know what I mean, to work with them. But they're not expecting somebody that's open and kind and don't, I don't have an ax to grind. You know what I mean? I just want to see you get better. I want to see you get out of this or stop doing what you're doing or whatever. That's all. I've had counselors call me. I know what you're doing with them because I know how they're acting. You're pulling them out of the trees, pulling them out the cliffs, pulling them out the gutter. I said, all I do is listen and I understand them. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm a fast reader. Let's put it that way. So these are gifts that I think all of us as experiences are kind of born with. Because they told me on my first, my first, this is 15 years ago, my first year I was there, they had you review, you do your year review, they gave me an excellent review and all that. And they said, now we're going to talk to you off the book. So you got this panel of people staring at you, right? And they're all big time people. And, you know, and they said, we're very aware of your gift that you're able to read people in under, let's say, 15 seconds. And that, Wow. You're using this gift, gift to help people, and you're born with this. This isn't something you can learn. So you think you found where you belong. Mm-hmm. I went, I belong here with you guys? Oh, my God. I thought that was kind of the worst thing I ever heard. But on the other hand, I think we all have these incredible gifts that uh, 
I think that's why they want us. This isn't just for randomness. You're not picked randomly. You know, there's a reason why they picked you in front of everybody and took you because they probably were doing it before, but they have their own purposes. Like maybe they wanted you to unfold this at this time in history. Do you know what I'm saying? I see a purpose to what you what you've been going through. Well, they had asked That's me what, to, and it sounds so self-serving, but they had when when they were doing the examinations and um, the needle and the navel and all of that, mm-hmm. they put a rod in my my right hand, a metal uh, cylindrical metal object in my right hand, and I was to draw the picture of what they were doing, and. When it was only after I had drawn the picture that I saw the three beings, the three gray beings, looking at the wall. They weren't looking at me. So they were mm-hmm. monitoring what they were putting in my hand, which is the information that I believe that I am now sharing. And um, I'm directed to the computer to different areas that they want me to talk about. Exactly. Um, it, it's, it, yeah. It's phenomenal because I I kind of can remember what that I noticed you, then I noticed what you were writing and talking and thinking about, and I thought she's one of us. That's what I thought. Mm-hmm. That that we actually find we find each other in very we strange, miraculous way. We are finding each other. We're finding our kind. You know that's why I didn't want you to worry because I wanted you to know that I'm part of your kind. And it's marvelous because you're saying things that we all need to hear and that people that don't know anything about this, they're for a rude shock. You know, just like these people, yeah. sub, you know, subliminated this for 50 years. There's, a, there's an intention behind that. People couldn't stand Absolutely. it. And the year 2020, perfect vision. We're seeing exactly. the world, you know, through, through new eyes right now. The world is changing. It's never going we to have be the same. It's never going to you, mm-hmm. You've got it. That's what we've all agreed on. Everybody that we're talking and talking our private conversations, that's what we're all agreeing on. It's never going to be the same again, and people keep yearning and wanting it to be the same when they don't realize you better let go. You better let go because you're not going to be prepared for what's next. The old way is not it. going to be here anymore. It's just not going to be mm-hmm. the same. I mean, our monetary system our way of living, our, all oh, of that is, is all, all bye-bye. Cash and coin will ultimately cease. And exactly. society is going to exist as a chip. No one will be yes. able to hide anything. We will be no much one. more easily monitored and controlled. Exactly. Well, you won't, you won't be able to lie. You're not going to be able to lie. <laughs> nope. You're not going to be able because the truth is going to be known. And something, mm-hmm. though, that you said about something that really shocked the hell out of me was that um, you were made a list of things that Mr. had to say. And mm-hmm. Mr. said, and then and one of the things he said in number five, he said, there's a list of the names of people being chosen and followed and that this being reported to the MJ-12. I went to, I have a big asterisk by this. And I'm in complete shock because I know that it's not random. I didn't know they were keeping – I know that they're keeping track of us, but I didn't know there's like Mm -hmm. a list being shared. 
because I've been shown the military is in on this. Like some parts of the military, there's something, because I see them, sometimes I'm taken to an underground place with doctors that are American. Uh And that made me madder than hell. So I had mixed feelings. I'm kind of sweating even talking to you about this. So that traumatized me. So talk to us about it. (laughs) Um, You know, uh, everything as far as the military uh, um, abductions, they're called my labs, you know, yes. I, I've avoided that. I've really tried to avoid it because it's it, just like you. It's frightening to me. I'm sweating. My elbows are that, sweating right now. It's, it's sickening. It sickens me to think that our government, well, it's the government within the government. It's not Trump or yeah. his um, minions. They, mm-hmm. they have no idea what's going on. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a different uh, military. It's a different group. Um, and I try to avoid it because it is frightening. But um, well, I'm angry because I feel like they're traitors, whoever they are, because I can see them, mm-hmm. and they've even said to me, "She's looking right at me." I go, "You better." And my eyes tell me, "I hate you," and if I could get a hold of you, I'd strangle you for doing this to me. <laughs> like, how dare you work in collusion and have me here? Yep. They they stopped letting me see this sort of thing. You know what I mean? Because I was actually able to go. I was in the little white plane into the white vans, then taken to the white bus, and then taken to these underground facilities, and these little red trucks, and they're chucking me underground. And then these doctors are standing there with their badges on and everything. Like they're really, you know, all it's all up and up with them, with them. But what they're doing to me is a, a traitor, and that's what I'm looking at them like. And that's what they can see in my eyes is that rage. Yes, exactly. Because how dare they collude to do this to mm-hmm. like an American against my will? Exactly. <sighs> yes. There's nothing I can do about and it. You, you get all of these um, memories without um, uh, yeah. regressions. Uh, because yeah. they, I haven't See. been able to be regressed. Like I like the relaxation of it. But I don't mm-hmm. need to be regressed. Or, or maybe I will be in the future. That because um, well, I have I'm in a, I'm in a spot where I am right now is that I'm still hanging on to something and I don't know why I'm doing it. You know I'm like hanging on to I don't even know how to put it into words. You're not ready to let go of the information that you have inside. Is what is that what That's it is? exactly it exactly. <laughs> I just- like yeah. it's like I'm, you will. it's like you it's, it's mm-hmm. yeah I will uh, it's like I'm, I'm I was talking to my friend Curtis yesterday about it he said why are you like this I said well I think you should start it at the beginning of the conversation so I can process you don't tell me this at the end of the conversation you know why are you <laughs> holding on you say that at the beginning uh-huh. okay I know what's wrong with you you should have said it at the start I said now we're going to start a whole new conversation and start at the beginning and tell me what it is. But there is something I'm scared. It's almost like you're hanging on the edge of a cliff. And if you let go, it's never mm-hmm. going to be the same again. It's saying goodbye to everything and everybody you knew. It's probably something like that. I feel like crying, but you that's know. true. Yeah. I'm admitting it to you. Yeah. I know you know where I'm coming from. 
Exactly, I do, because I was just given new information, and I haven't shared it because I did share it with one person, uh, um, because I'm still trying to come to terms with it and to... Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I'm talking about. How I'm going to tell people about what's what's happening, what's going to be happening in the next few months or year. Yeah. And it, it it's not good. And, and I think that's, everybody knows it, it's not good. Um, and it's close. It's not like you're going to be able to make another plan for whatever whatever you think you're going to be doing. You know, you have to let yeah. go of what yeah. you think it should be like and, uh, get ready for the new reality. That's what it feels like to me. And this is, and this is where they're they're taking me right now. They they've been taking me to these um, viruses, and and I had never studied or, or I didn't even realize how many viruses from Ebola, Black Death, Russian flu, Asian flu, HIV. I mean Spanish flu, and um, just and they're all necessary. For genetic leaps, this is how we make the genetic leaps. The, the ultimately benefit, these viruses ultimately benefit humanity because it's a deliberate change of DNA and the survivors have an improved immune system. I wanted to hit on that Spanish flu of 1918. It affected one-third of the population. 50 million people died. But what is amazing here is that the day that it hit Boston, Massachusetts, it hit Bombay, India the same day, which is exactly a half a world away on the same mm. day. That just blows my mind. Um, wow. But, yes, the strong, the strong survival. Yeah, the 1918 flu hit Massachusetts and Bombay at the same day. Um, yeah, and, and it's... <sighs> 75,000 years ago, our population was almost extinct. It went from 4 million to just a few thousand. And geologists believe that it was caused by a a super volcano. But the people that survived this come back with a stronger immune system, and um, they come back improved. Uh, well, just think of what the improvements we have made in the last, mm-hmm. let's say, 100 years. Like the the world oh. isn't recognizable anymore. You know, we've made no. such incredible dramatic leaps, you know, from basically crawling on the ground to flying up to mm-hmm. Mars. You know, it's yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. incredible. Yeah, if somebody would have told us we'd be that, you know, 50 years ago where we'd be right now, we would have laughed, you know. Well, they did laugh because I think we did have, when I was a kid, I was reading what you were thinking when you were a kid. We were thinking like that, like, why isn't this the Jetsons already? Why are we still, I used to question that. Why are we still waiting in this line? That used to upset me the worst. So it's like waiting in line for stuff. I used to think, why aren't we mm-hmm. teleporting yet? Why aren't we? I know you were asking the same <laughs> question. That was brought us back to the World's Fair is that I thought, yeah, this is my place. When they had the pictures on the phones <laughs> and the, you know what I mean? So I just felt so at home there. And even Be spiritually, sure. yeah. I was a spiritual little kid. So I went to this, listen mm-hmm. to Billy Graham at that. Nobody took me there. I went to by myself. I must have been with some group. I was not with my family. And I went to the World's Fair, watched Billy Graham, and then it rained a little bit. Then a double rainbow came over the pavilion. 
And I was just thanking God that I was there. I mean, really. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, and it's, I remember uh, just even, even within the last couple of weeks, you know, looking on eBay to see if there's any memorabilia from the World's Fair that I thought, you know, I can't be collecting crap. I got to get rid of crap. You know, we don't need a bunch of stuff at this point. At this point in the humanity, just uh, stop collecting, you know, and start good, exactly. doing good for people. That's what I think. You know, so exactly. this, yeah. uh, you're getting to a point, you know, I wrote a letter to you that was uh, life-changing. And that's why I had that written down that you uh, did write to Chief Begol. And that I wrote actually to Harvard in the 80s because at that point I was being abducted so much and shown so many space babies and all this other stuff that uh, I wrote to Harvard. I thought, if I'm this crazy, like I'm crazy than a bed bug, right? I said, if I'm this nuts, mm-hmm. I'm going to write to the best. So I wrote to John Mack. And John Mack oh, wrote my back. hero. I know. Oh, he's my, my hero, too. And, you know, they took him out. I still believe it's intentional, but he saved my life. I don't know how many lives he saved, but he wrote me back. He said, I believe you. I was born in Boston. That's why I wrote to Harvard. And it was, it's very odd and strange, but um, he accepted me and he sent me to this place, uh, C-E-R-O, and I've been going there ever since. And so it's a group support people and everything. And she does all the regressions and stuff, but... Uh, I was never able to be regressed, but I think that that's that thing. Uh, we have like a block on us, you know, and it's not until mm-hmm. we're ready to, to go. Um, that's why I wanted to bring it up and that I feel something that I can't tell you, but I do know that you know what I'm talking about. There's a there's a precipice <laughs> here. There's a precipice. We've got a telepathic thing going on. <laughs> yeah, we do. There's a, tele, there's a precipice we're standing on here. You know, and and where do you? I don't know what to say. Where do you go? What do you what do you do? What do you what do you do uh, now that we have all this information? And um, this is what I love. This is what I love. This is what you said. Healing begins when someone bears witness. That's one, a title of. Uh, I love yeah. that that title of that chapter. And when I read that, I and went, when somebody sees you. And and knows, Mm -hmm. yes, I've been through it. And then they bear witness to it. Like, you're lucky that you have these people here that bear your witness. Mm -hmm. Yes, and you, John Mack, my my hero. Thank thank God. God. If I, I might dig that letter up someday. If it ever comes back, I'll be so happy to find it, you know, because I've moved so many times since then. But uh, I feel blessed that... uh, keep running into each other on these highways and the byways because we're all, you know, going to, I guess we're going to be going to the same uh, place or the same address because there's several Mm -hmm. of us, not not everybody, but there's many of us that are drawn together and we're quite an odd group, if you ask me. All different kind of psychics, artists, writers, everybody that's in on the same wavelength. Those that are awakened. And it's a universal exactly. vision, and I was I drew it, and I sent it to Ann Eller, who had uh, uh, I sent her the the vision of what I was shown, and it was so real. I, I it was more than a vision. I actually felt the emotions. I, it's it's in the first book. I'm standing amid all the 
different ships and orbs of every different shape, size, and color, and the sky is lit up. And I feel such a deep gratitude. And I keep saying thank you, and I love you, and thank you. Because I realize that um, they've come for us. And yes. Ann Eller said that's a universal vision. People all over the world have, have, have seen that vision, and it will come to, to pass. Well, and, this is uh, what I, I dreamt. This is, this, is what, this is what I dreamt, and this is, I guess, somebody was showing me. But I've always, back mm-hmm. in my, my mind, is, uh, I, I think about ancestry a lot. When I had my DNA done, I, I, as soon as I saw it, I said, I knew that was me the whole time I knew it. Because I've always called, they, my, when my sisters were little, they were really brats. I have a bunch of sisters. I'm the oldest of, there's four more after me. And they are a bunch of brats. So anyway, they used to say, the gypsies brought you here and left you on the doorstep in a suitcase. Or the gypsies were to come and get you. And I would think, <laughs> yeah, I'm a gypsy. That's why. Anyway, so I looked at my DNA. Guess what I am? I'm first off, Greek. Second, I'm Balkan, Gypsy. And third, I'm Sicilian. And then they've got the Celtic influence that comes in with the the Welch and the the Welch, not English, Welch and Scottish. And I was like, that's me. And then I saw I have a vision of all the women that came before me. It was quite thrilling when I saw them all lined up and then to me. And then the concern I had was, what's gonna, what is going to happen to my children, children, children's children? What is going to happen for them? And one night uh, they showed me, or if it was God or whoever showed me, is the new world. Nothing mm-hmm. here is going to exist uh, like it does. To me, it looked so beautiful and pristine it looked like the best pictures you could take of Alaska, let's say. Pristine, oh. clean, oh, fresh, beautiful, and nothing exists the same. We don't need electronics or anything we can touch. We don't need anything. We have a direct yeah. direct contact with our, our higher power that runs it all. And okay. we don't have the Internet. We, we're straight to the source. So, you know, I asked them a yeah, couple things. Anyway, so well, that's where it's going, folks. You know, so quit hanging on to stuff. Yes, and what's so ironic now is think about this one. <laughs> we no longer have noses or mouths. We are just eyes, just like the aliens. We're, we're, so wow. we, we communicate with our eyes. And so this is how tele- telepathy is going to come about. I mean, think about it. We have no well, nose there, and mouths. We, won't, we won't need it all anymore, I guess, because... Mm-mm. You know, it's kind of freaky to think about, but the place is so beautiful. But I wondered where it was, and there it is an earth here, but it's a whole new earth. It's not – so that's where our yes. children's 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 children are going to be. Because I always wonder yes, what's I happening to the ones after me, you know, and that's mm-hmm. where they're going to have. They're going to have something very beautiful. So yes. we only have – we're have coming it. up on our – we're coming up on our hour. So let's just – Focus on what you what you exactly want to t- tell okay. us, and what's coming next well, for you. I, yes, well, I am working on my third book. I've, I've almost finished uh, chapter one, and I've been told that that's all that's in me is those three books. And when I'm done with those, uh, 
I can relax because <laughs> I have been on a roller coaster ride. It is exhausting, as you know. Yes. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about. I I've been asked if everything is preordained. What is the purpose? Uh, don't we have free will? These are the kind of questions I get. And the answer, the short answer, is perception. This is how we mm-hmm. perceive our reality. Perception is not preordained. The negative or positive assessment is determined by us. This is earth school, and we choose how we understand, learn, and accept what life throws at us. We live in duality. Everything is peripheral to our universe and our reality, and everything has a balance. Good, evil, love, hate, life, death. And if we can all accept that we are all part of one energy, then the concept of unity is clear. The messages coming through me are meant to help humanity understand spiritual evolution. We're all watching this same movie. My screen might be a little wider than others. Um, And a lot of people aren't keeping their eyes on the road. So that's what I meant by preordained. When I started this, when I talked about this internal transformation that has taken place in me, I'm able to enter samadhi um, without intention. And I didn't even know what what it was. And that's in the second book. Um, Samadhi is when... um, the physical world disappears along with conceptions of space and time. And the universe is perceived in this illusion um, without intrinsic reality. The ego is dissolved, revealing the oneness of creation and the existence of the cosmic mind. And when someone enters samadhi, even just once, that is when that deep internal Transformation takes place, annihilating all patterns of um, reality. And I wanted to talk about, um, I had an out-of-body experience, and I had a a sleep-writing experience, and things that that I still don't understand. Um, I was walking in the park behind my apartment where I spend a lot of my time, Got a beautiful park behind me filled with trees. And I'm usually the only one at the park. <laughs> I have it to myself. There's very few people. I live in a very a, a small village, Fowlerville. And I was walking in the park. And as I was walking, I felt a separation from my, my physical body. And I weightlessly rose high above myself. And I was at tree level or above. And I was watching myself walk from behind. And I I thought to myself how very small I looked. People have always said I was tiny. But as I was watching myself, and it was only when I became aware that I was watching myself walking, that I wasn't in that body, that I was quickly returned. And that was an out-of-body experience. It was almost like I was thrown back into my body when I realized I was out of it. Wow. I, I, it still blows my mind. Yes, that, that was my first. And then I um, uh, I don't sleepwalk. 
that I've ever known of. But I and I always keep a pad of paper and a pen on ready because I never know when I'm going to get a message where I'm at. When I go to the park, I've got a pen and paper tucked in my bra. Um, well, I woke up and I looked at my pad of paper and I had written these words, quote, realities or illusions are a part of the delusion we have created. We are living in a delusional illusion of our making. We are all players in this fictional theater we perform for our creators. In news, existing for our audience, the stage is set at birth and our performance has begun, end quote. Now, outside of these words, I had a circle. And inside the circle, I had written these words, consciousness, sound, light, and energy. And I was made to understand that this was the womb that gave birth to humanity. And outside of that, I had written the words, the what is. And I didn't know what the what is for quite a while. I held on to this information for 12 days. I finally gave it to um, Kevin Estrella. Actually, I was directed to give it to Kevin Estrella and Grant Cameron. But I now understand that the words, the what is, is God or the cosmic mind. I was going to tell you, yeah, I know what it is. Profound. Yes. Okay, so this is what I've had. So this is happening to me, too is that I was sleeping, but I heard myself talking to myself, which is a very bizarre experience to be, okay, I'm asleep, talking to me about me. Really, in my voice. It's very odd. That's why I'm bringing it up. I I bring it up in in the group, the serial group, but I'm going to tell you you and on air right now, is that I was talking to myself about myself that I have a neurological condition. And that's what it was talking about. I was saying, you have a neurological condition, Charlene, and blah, 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 blah. And I was like listening like, what? It was like Charlene the doctor talking to Charlene the sleeping one, which is probably literally what's going on. You know, so these out-of-body experiences are because that I am being treated for a, a problem that I say I don't have. I have nervous leg, right? That's what I say, it mm-hmm. is. but that's not, I have a neurological issue from, from my, a lifelong issue that right now I'm just getting help for all this stuff right now, like we're, as we speak, just now they're finding out my blood is a little different than everybody else's. I have a extremely, I looked it at myself because you can go on Quest Labs and go look up your own lab results. So I want to know what's going on. Nobody will tell me my blood type. I just got through talking about this in the group like I still don't know by blood type because everybody says we all have weird blood and nobody will tell me now I know why they won't tell me is because it's so rare that I don't have any hemoglobin I have like five or point five. like you can't even live without hemoglobin I don't understand that's why they won't tell me but my you higher self is my, telling like, me do you know yours yeah. No, I don't, what? and I've been to, and that's weird. one of the chapters in my book. This is so ironic. I've been to, now it's been eight doctors. When I ended preordained, it was five, and they can't find out what's wrong with me. Um, they've this done is blood what tests I'm talking about. Test. Oh, you give oh, me the chills again. You're giving me the so chills. So I looked it at myself. 
Yes, there's something going on here. I looked at it myself, or I wouldn't even be talking about it because I called the doctor again today to keep him on it. I said, now, blah, 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 blah. And they said, yes, he saw the results, but he wants you to do it again. I gave them eight freaking vials of blood, and that's not enough. I gave nine. So now, so now I have to do it again, but I looked at it myself. It's a very rare condition where somebody can walk around without no hemoglobin in their blood. And I, wow. I'm thinking about it. That's because we are different. Maybe I don't need any hemoglobin in my blood. They, they, they gave me folic acid and iron. It's not touching it. I might need something totally different. You know what I mean? I have mm-hmm. to find this out what it is. So that's why we have issues because they also found <laughs> – so you mentioned uh, Betty and Barney Hill. So you know who their niece is, right? Yeah, Kathleen Martin. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, so Kathleen knew I did my DNA because I, I said it last year or something like that. I posted something about it. And she said, do you have any what you call undisclosed or unidentifiable DNA? I said, yes. She said, will you post that to me? I had never sent it to anybody, so I didn't really want anybody to have it. Because, you know, the science, you know, the doctor's looking at you. You know, traitors, whoever they are. Um, I didn't want anybody to look at but but since it's Kathleen Martin, I said, okay, because I have met her in Roswell and stuff like that. But So I sent it to her. She said, you know, what you have here in your DNA is like a lot of the people that I have that are experiencers. They have that same place. It's in the same place. It's not only unidentified. Wow. It's like it's in the same area. That's what she was looking at. She was looking at different Amazing. stuff that other people were looking at. So she's, you know, a very scientific person. So there is mm-hmm. something up with it, but something about, uh, I'm thinking about, I'm giving these doctors one more shot, okay? This is going to be it. And then I'm going to holistic healing because there's nothing else I can do. You I know, there's, you. Yeah. because I, I need it from some other place. It's what they're talked about and they're so like if you don't know what's wrong with me by eight my eight vials of blood to me that's an awful lot of blood my arm hurt like i got sucked out yeah. of me oh absolutely so so you don't know yet and i gotta do it again so mm-hmm. anyway i said i'd do it again this is the last time and they've just threw me from doctor to doctor and they were all just yes, yes. And, and, and i'd say please no more blood please i'm terrified of needles Nope, got to do the blood. And they would take eight, less well, than you, nine vials yeah. of blood. Nine vials? Nine vials of blood. And I was hysterical. Some woman was holding my hand. I was crying like a baby because it hurt so bad. Oh, I mean, how many times it does do you hurt? Have to yes, it hurts. Oh, my God. And I was mad and frustrated and still have no answers. Still have no answers. And I've got this That's awful a... condition. And, you know, I'm okay, done. What, I'm is, go what, what is the Yes, that's what that's uh, so we're exactly at the same place then. I'm going to give him one more shot yeah. because she talked to me very mm-hmm. nicely. I said I just got through doing this. She says they gave you the wrong hemoglobin thing. We're going to look at it one more time. I guess they want to so they want to give me like hemoglobin shots or something. I'm not sure that's the right answer for me. Maybe I maybe right. I need to get some kind of alien treatment. Aliens if you're listening. Mhm. If you could please yeah. kind of help us girls out here, because we're <laughs> sick, we're missing <laughs> something. Help us out. Jeez. <laughs> I hear you. 
Well, it's been, it's been uh, you know, it's been very important and enlightening to have you on the show. And I know doing these kind of oh. shows is, is uh, stressful and stuff like that, but something kept telling me solidly, oh. no, you need, you need her on your show. And I, we really yeah, need yeah. you to talk and to be with us and to know that you're not alone and we're not alone. You know, it's so important. Yeah. The information you're giving is so important because we don't, a lot of us don't document. That's our problem. You know, I have, uh, okay, my, my fellow person is like your person. I have a, you have a Cindy, I have a Rosemary. We have abducted together. Okay. We see each other together. Me, her, and her husband have been abducted together. I might even talk to you about the, the many weird aliens that we've seen together. You know what I mean? But she actually is NASA yeah. trained. She's a, we didn't know in our tequila partying days that we were going to be, you know, a therapist for the feds and then she's going to work on rockets. So she's a rocket scientist trained by NASA. She's working over here at Northrop. So she sweared a, a vote of silence. She can't come out and talk, you know. No. So I'm kind of, so I'm like, you know, I'm like, even though she substantiates it, you know, because I had a, a freaky thing happen on New Year's Eve that night. I had interactions with a light. I looked up in the, I'm just going to tell you this, so I want to get your your take on this. I looked up. You know how there's lights, like strobe lights, everything's cool when you're at a dance thing. You know, it's at her, her nephew's studio, so we always have a big party. You know, we're having a good time. Yeah. And I looked uh-huh. up, and I don't drink, so I'm stone sober. I looked up, and I noticed something about this light. I don't even know why I noticed, but all of, it looked like it was looking at me. And so I was looking at the light, I was looking up, and I started thinking, could a light have thought? Because it started following every movement I had. And I was trying to think, what mechanism would a light have life? I was thinking like that, okay, because I'm out there anyway, my brain. Mm -hmm. And Rosemary saw it. She was dancing. She turned around, looked at me, she says, are you, are you interacting with... Look at that. Like, she was like that, pointing at it. I said, Rosemary, you saw that. She said, I saw it. And that was, she was my witness. She saw it. I said, Rosemary, how could I ever explain, how could I explain it to anybody that I saw a light that was alive? So I was so stunned. I still don't to this day know what it meant. I don't know that. So I put it, I Googled it. Does light have life? That's what Mm -hmm. I Googled. And there was only one answer that came out of this. And they said, light does have life, and it does think. And it has a beginning and an yeah. end. And I was like, what the? That was the only answer I found. So we're talking about the quantum things that we're, we're talking about. Yeah. I uh-huh. was invited for a little peek that was able to be observed, just so I don't think I'm just a crazy one, which I always think I am. Okay, I'm the, I'm the nut who saw this. I'm the one who talks to houses, ants, and farms, and everybody else like you were talking about. Because you have an affinity for animals, and I do too. It's bizarre. But I also realized almost everything is alive. You know what I mean? There's at some level. Absolutely. Things, things are, yeah, they're alive. So that's what I'm trying to tell you is that there's a living light. Well, and well, that's I one don't of the messages that I got. Yeah. But they what does are it mean? all I, I light knowledge energy, no matter what shape they're in, whether they're an orb or a light like you saw or an ET or a ship, they are all, in quotations, light knowledge energy beings. So, yes, you were interacting with 
You were interacting. And it was with it was life. alive. And I'm a, I'm mm-hmm. I have my witness who can't tell me doesn't talk nothing doesn't say nothing. She had actually come over to my house, and we were standing in my doorway, hanging on the little fence I have for my dog. I said, "What do you got to say to me?" Because she was at work and she couldn't tell me. She said, "I got to tell you in person because we can't do this over the phone because we're probably taping our conversations, which they probably are." She said, we're now with our satellites looking for life on other planets. I said, do they ever look for life in my living room? Because that's where they are. Their aliens are here. But she said, I had to, she said, but even shocks her. She's in the middle of it, working on it. They're sending satellites looking. She could tell me that much. We are looking, Mm -hmm. you know, for life there, but the life is here. I mean, they're here with us. (sighs) Now I told you. (laughs) so you're you okay you explained it to me though you said what i was i still don't know what that was but it had intelligence it was it was letting me it was letting me know it existed okay i'm trying to figure this out it was letting me know it existed Mm -hmm. i had a witness to it so i'm not nuts Right. And then I had, but just, just right before it happened, though, I had a profound experience of reading the minds of everybody in the room. It was pretty terrible. Oh my I'm never God. going back there again. I read every, it was all her relatives and all the friends of the friends. It was her husband, everybody. I read what everybody was doing. Every, and I kept looking at her saying, do you see what I'm seeing, what's going on with everybody? And no, nobody was. <laughs> it was like being in a den- Damn, it's like being the den of iniquity. So and so is having an affair with so and so, and blah blah blah. These whole table, all them people are gay. They don't look like it, but they're they're not out. I was like, oh my god, I'm never going back here again. So that's when we were talking about that earlier about the truth being known. Get ready, folks. Yeah. They're gonna they're gonna pull your pants. Yeah. Everybody's gonna know everything about everything about everybody. So please exactly. try to straighten yourself out. Please. I mean, this yeah. is our, for, from every religion and belief in the world, they all tell you to straighten out. Every one of them mm-hmm. says, be honest, be open, share, love one another. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And if people aren't getting yeah. it, you're going to actually walk around naked and everybody's going to see what you are. Mm-hmm. I'll be embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's oh, it's uh-huh. it's time for our break. I appreciate you so much, so much that you had yeah, the courage to come on. You. Well, you came on the show. You were Thank courageous, you. and 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 we we're so lucky to have you, and honored to have you. And I loved reading your stuff, and I will continue to look for your. So, so talk, let's talk about the end of the show. Let's uh, talk about your stuff one more time. Yeah. Where can we find your your books, the titles of your books, and what's oh. coming up next? Uh, uh, preordained and symbiosis, and they're both on Amazon and Kindle. And we will have to we'll have to talk again because um, we'll have to keep in there's, touch. There's so yeah. much to cover, you just hit so up. we'll 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 yeah. do it again. So when you're in the mood, let's let's do another shot for it because uh, plus yeah. we have to stay up on our health condition. There is something going on yeah. there that's important, and we have to encourage each other. So. I am finding out little by little that I'm a, a rarer than a rare breed, and that's probably what's going on with you, that you're very yeah. rare, and they don't know what to do with you. So that's yeah. why they don't I've answer our calls. Okay. They won't call. Yeah. 
We are we're not mm-hmm. the, we're not the odd ones. We're actually the rare ones, and that's really hard yeah. to grasp, you know. But uh, I I congratulate you on your books. They're interesting, and uh, you you very you disclose a lot, which I love your history, your your biography in there. I enjoyed it, and I will continue Aww. reading you and. Let's keep our friendship going, and you're invited on any time yeah. that you want to. Please let me know, and then we'll just do another show because we need to do part two. You have to come up with them with your next right. stuff. Okay. Yep. Thank you so okay, much. Thanks. Absolutely. I okay. You. God, God you bless you. Love you, Nancy. Take God care. Bless God bless you too. Bye-bye. Love you too. Bye bye. So that was Nancy Tremaine. Uh, we love her so much, and she's an author, and she has been uh, nice enough to come on our show and disclose what a lot of people, you know, just can't tolerate and disclose, but we're doing it. We're doing it together. And, you know, her uh, book preordained is autobiography and the past, present, ongoing life events. And she talked to you about what her ideas of the future and what she's been shown. So this show will be available to listen to anytime you want. You just follow the, Links again if you want to listen to it. It'll be ready in uh, ready a few minutes after the show, after they uh, do whatever they do with the tapes. So I appreciate Nancy Tremaine, and we're going to come back next week with a couple people that are going to be pretty scandalous and off the hook. And I'm uh, looking forward to doing the show next week too. And in the meantime, I want to let you know that the paranormal and the sacred of the place where the unheard may be heard. I love you guys very much, and I want to thank you so much for listening. And please come again as uh, 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time next week, next Friday. We're coming on again, and we're going to explore what hasn't been explored before. Anyway, love you. God bless you. Thank you, Nancy. Bye-bye.